Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Property Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Bellator 290 post-fight show here live on MMAfighting.com. I am Mike Heck. That is Jed Mishu. That is Shaheen Alshadi. And as you can see, at least with myself and Jed, I am not wearing a bathrobe. Jed is wearing a shirt. I am sure. So that means, so that means the MMA gods do not shine upon Fedor Emelianenko. No cigar for Jed. That means that what we expected to happen in the main event of this card is what was kind of, I guess, meant to be. Ryan Bader finishes Fedor Emelianenko in the first round. Fedor's career comes to an end. He had a moment with the legends. His walkout gave me chills. But in the end, Ryan Bader gets the job done. And Bellator 290, the CBS debut for Bellator, is officially in the book. So, gentlemen, Shaheen, I'll start with you. How would you grade this effort? CBS, big deal. They got a lot of hype behind this thing. It seemed like... The media was all it, all in on it. The fans were getting in on it. Did this thing live up to the potential that you felt that it had? Did it live up to the potential is an interesting question, right? Because it had the potential to be just like something magical, like right? We could have just had some magical, incredible moment. Felt pretty unlikely. Ultimately, we got what we, I think, most of us expected. If they were just going pass-fail, I would say this is definitely a pass. Like, this, the, the first fight was perfect matchmaking, the, the Hamasi fight, Brennan Ward fight. That, like, if you're trying to introduce an audience on CBS to your product, you put two all-action guys in there and hope they go to war, and that's exactly what those two dudes did. Johnny Eblen had a chance, I think, to become uh, a much bigger name tonight than, you know, he is right now. I don't know that he accomplished that, but he certainly looks like a guy who is a top-five middleweight in the world like that dude is in, incredible in the ways that he is getting better every time we see him and then the main event um you know you said it walkout was cool the the legends lineup was cool i wish they would have done that beforehand but even afterwards that was still a very cool way to send off uh, an all-time great made me sad didn't make me as sad as it could have uh and certainly didn't make me as sad as you know some recent ones that we've had of this like a shogun uh, this Shogun made me significantly more sad than, than whatever this was tonight. Ultimately, though, you know, we didn't we didn't get the magic moment that we wanted. 
I would say this whole show still was a success for Bellator in the end, uh, given the the product that they had and sort of the platform that they had. It just it could have been a lot cooler if we would have had that one gift from the MMA gods. You know, it wasn't meant to be. Jed on on BTL, you gave this card on paper like an eight point five to a nine, much higher than New York Rick gave it. But did it live up to that number for you? If that was your gymnastics scale, did it hit it? Not quite. Uh, I I'm giving it a B minus. Um, look, nothing super bad happened. So that's, that, that's, that's very important here. Uh, and they did, that card was exactly what I thought it was. Basically. I got a little bit rose colored glasses, hoping that Fedor might do some things, but it was exactly what I thought. Where it's like, Oh, okay. They are a, a decently well-run competent mixed martial arts organization. So they know how to mostly do things right. And they're not going to get like, they're not going to have the elite XC egg on their face in a horrific way. But that can't be an A because what, what did they gain from this? I mean, do, do, do any, does anybody believe that they made new Bellator fans tonight? I would be hard pressed to think that that is the case. I, I am certain that the people who tuned in because they already know MMA, they know Bellator, they didn't feel they didn't leave feeling bad because I certainly didn't look Johnny Eblen. That fight was a little bit better than I thought it would be, but it's still, it, it was also exactly what I thought it would be. We all knew the, the Ward Hamasi fight was going to be nuts. That was, that was really good promotion, really good matchmaking and it delivered in every way. And we all kind of saw the ending coming, even if I had talked myself into hope uh, and it's the hope that kills you, Mike, we all know this, but it's just like what, we didn't gain too much from this. So this, that, that like just puts it at a B and I'll give it a B minus for some of the other, it, it gets some point stocks for some of the other snafus. The, this maybe isn't Bellator's issue, but the pair the paramount was not a um, super intuitive thing to do. So I missed the first half of Ward Hamasi. Cause I literally couldn't get my paramount stream to work. Um, and also like, you know, the undercard having a 30 minute gap between <laughs> between the Lorenz Larkin elbow finish and before we started on CBS seemed very, very dumb. The post limbs are still going on right now with <laughs> um for being honest. Like, and they it it we talked about this off air, and it was it is the it's just Bellator every time, every time they are gonna Bellator so hard they were flying through the prelims they were they were getting new dudes into the cage before guys had left the cage from the previous fight it was awesome the pacing ruled the fights were delivering good performances and then they just kind of did the bellator thing and it's their hearts in the right place and i've said it a million times but it is the best analogy for me they get the ball downfield and they can't put you in a touchdown this is an organization of field goals and no touchdowns to be had. There was another one tonight. Nothing bad happened. They're coming away with points, and that always helps, but they are not getting seven. This is a full three points. So, I look, we have given Fedor his flowers for the last couple of weeks, and he deserves every single kind word that we said about him, and I, I don't really want to harp on how that night ended. I want to talk a little bit more about Ryan Bader Shaheen, because I got to say he was in a tough spot and he admitted it. He talked about how tough of a spot it was the pressure, because not only was he 
the guy that was fighting Fedor in his final fight, but he's a guy who already fought him and beat him in 35 seconds. So how could he do it better? You have to do it again. Everyone's expecting him to go out there and just bulldoze him in the first round, which he did. But I thought the way he's he handled in the aftermath, the way that he put Fedor over, talked about the pressure, was very honest about how he felt heading in. I thought he played this picture perfect. Your reaction to Bader's performance and what I think shined even better was the post-fight stuff from him. Yeah, I mean, he he definitely didn't pour, pull an Igor, right, and, and dance over over you know a fallen hero <laughs> like like we saw with Shogun. Like he definitely played the part right in that respect. Um, I mean, that's not a surprise though, right? Like Ryan Bader, he's not that guy. He, he's very respectful, man. Um, his whole heavyweight crusade here in Bellator is such a weird one. It's just he they're throwing him in against guys like a, a 40, 50 year old Chuck Congo, Valentin Moldovsky. Now, Sean, I have a great Bader. stat about Bader if you want it. I know exactly what the stat is and actually <laughs> bring it in. Let's do it because I know exactly what you're going to say and it's perfect for what we're talking about. So the last time Ryan Bader finished a person who was n- under 40 years old, it was 2018 and it was 37-year-old King Mo. <laughs> Tremendous. Five years ago is the last time he finished a man who wasn't a few years away from an AARP card. It's the best. I yeah, love Bellator. <laughs> Gotta love it. I mean, he's working with what Bellator has, right? Like, yeah, well, that's not on him. Fight, you can only fight the dudes on the roster, and he's fighting the dudes on the roster, and he's he's smoking all of them. Like, it, I would love to have some Francis Ngannou in this equation. Or he's holding Valentin Moldovsky down for 25 minutes. <laughs> yeah, more or less. Uh, so, I mean, Bader handled it as, as well as I think most of us would expect from him. Again, the Legends thing happening after the fight was... I think a lot of us would have liked to see that beforehand, but it was still very cool. You get that moment at the end of all these legends lined up, sort of celebrating and saluting Fedor. It's a little bit emotional. I just got to say, though, like now that we have seen this time and time again over the years, consistently over and over and over and over again, we're we're doing the same routine, right, Jed? Because you had said, you know, you talked yourself into this. Somehow you talked yourself into like, hey, we're going to get this magic moment. Maybe maybe this is the one where, you know, the, the old legend comes back and gets this knockout to finish his career. We had this exact same cycle for Shogun a couple of weeks ago. I'm sure we're going to have this exact same cycle next time around for whatever the next guy is. Like, I just, I, I have an idea that I would like to propose just generally that I think MMA needs. I, I, I would like some sort of investor to come to me. I just want to create, an MMA promotion where exclusively the only fights we run, that's it. We don't do normal fights. All we do are, if you're a legend, if you're an all-timer and you want to have a retirement fight, you come get us. Come get us. We will find you the the Bob Sappiest Bob Sapp that you will ever find in in a Bob (laughs) Sapp universe. And we will just line you up against total absolute cans and we're going to let you style on people on the way out and hey maybe maybe it's so much fun you you kind of want to do it again we'll let you do it one more time we'll give you like a fake retirement too if you want hey we'll even like throw fake belts up for all of this like Fedor could have fought for the heavyweight goat belt tonight in this in this magical promotion right it shogun could have fought for the most violent man of all time belt in, in this promotion like i'm just here to make these guys happy on their way out and maybe give us some smiles on the way out too because it feels like we badly need this like i'm getting pretty sick of just seeing these dudes go out on the on their back or face down on the canvas or whatever like it's just it leaves us feeling hollow and sad inside and i think there's a way that we don't need to feel this we, we can let these guys have their moment like, what's wrong with that? The Heritage Fight League from Jimmy West. There we go. Like, there is a way we can execute this. There is some sort of rich financier watching this right now who, whose interest is peaked. Hit me. You get in my DMs. Let's, let's make some magic happen. Come on. I'm just saying, this is a real thing that we need to do at this point. 
I love this idea. Jen, I think you'd be a great promoter for this. Sean Look, could be the CEO and like do all the deals and you could be the guy hyping this up. Let's be real. I'll be a great promoter for any organization. As soon as someone wants to give me a big bag of money and become the number two MMA org in the world, <laughs> hit my DMs. I'm right here. I got ideas. Uh, I don't hate this idea. I don't think, I think I would rather instead of having them style on, you know, like me and you in the cage or whatever, though that has a lot of charm to it. Tons I, of opportunity there. I'm just the saying. thing that really struck me. I mentioned this um, during the post fight presser is like, I don't, I'm still not really sure how I felt about the like hero send off or whatever. It landed a better than it, better than bad. It, it didn't go over poorly. It still felt a little awkward because like some of those dudes, Fader has nothing, like doesn't know them or care about them. Like the Barnett, they are friends. They have known each other for years. You could see them like exchange a real hug. But, like, what does Fedor have to say to Matt Hughes? He has never met Matt Hughes, doesn't care about <laughs> Matt Hughes at all. So that just – I felt a little weirdish, but it's okay. But it did strike me with, like, that's how these things should end. Fedor should be fighting Josh Barnett. Like, I get what's Josh Barnett doing? Fedor should be rematching Verdum or, uh, you know, a, another old washed guy. Do the old wash guy, and you just have to retire two people at a time. Like, Lyoto Machido should have re-signed with the UFC, I said it at the time, and they should have just run back the Shogun fight, and both guys had to retire at the end. Loser and winner leaves town. <laughs> and that's really what I would have liked to see, and that kind of drove home when I was just like, I mean, I don't think Chuck Liddell should ever fight again, but I wouldn't have hated it if they were just like, all right, Chuck, Come to Bellator for one, and you fight Fedor. Like, okay, sure. Like, any of those would have been better than than the Bader thing. But the Bader thing ended up not being that bad. I'm not all that sad about what happened. It could it have just, been way worse. Yeah, it yeah. sort of is so what it is. Worse. Yeah, it, it, it. And I don't know if that's because Fedor's already retired once. We already seen this fight, but you know, it it worked out. My the bigger complaint I have, kind of moving forward, is like, okay. That was cool. What did Bellator gain? Because again, I'm not sure they gained much tonight, other than putting on a very serviceable and and, and you know useful card, and that has plenty of merits. I'm not here to say that that doesn't, but I don't think they converted new fans here. They didn't build a new star in Ryan Bader um, because Ryan Bader is very not interesting. Um, I think as a point of pride on his part that he's not interesting, but man, credit to him because he did really handle the end of that as well as anyone could have like just picture perfect ending. So, you know, fine night overall. Yeah. Let me, it, let me push ahead. back on that. Let me push back on that briefly. When you ask what did Bellator gain? Because I think that's a very fatalistic way to look at this and maybe just a single minded in, in a sense that like, sure. Like I agree with you in that. I don't know that there are new Bellator fans coming away from this. Like no one saw Ryan Bader starch, a 46 year old man. I was like, Hey, this is, this is right up my alley. I love this. Let's check in next time. But I do think there is some legitimate value to getting put on that platform, a platform as big as CBS, and performing well enough to say, hey, here is our product. It was a very, it was a solid night. It was a solid product for the night. This is what we can provide just value-wise, right? Like just on this platform, like we didn't drop, we didn't ruin this this moment. Like we, we pulled through in the way that we needed to pull through. I think that alone has pretty decent value for a promotion like Bellator that is consistently looking for opportunities like this to, Get in front of more eyeballs. 
It could totally be true. I I want to see what the what the numbers end up looking like here because even though they did fine promotionally, I think the numbers will dictate that story moving forward much more. And I suspect the numbers are okay. Not a ton of counter programming. Fedor still probably draws them in, but I want to see before I feel I'm confident in that. Yeah, I'm curious what the ratings are. If they're under a million, that's bad. Like that's that's pretty bad. One point five is probably like a, a win. I think they'll um, probably get close to that. That's my that's my feeling, but yeah. And you know, last thing just about the matchmaking. I so I, I saw somebody comment earlier, like, why are you praising this matchmaking, but you gave the UFC crap for putting Shogun in there with Ehorpatoria? Here's the difference. Shogun didn't say, Hey. John Shelby, you know what would be a great retirement fight? That Ehor Pretoria guy. I heard he's a great dancer, so that when he knocks me out, he'll just dance on my <laughs> lifeless He's body. the duelist, Mike. The duelist. <laughs> he did didn't you that. get that? You didn't understand that? They were like, here, here's this dude that nobody knows or cares about. Fedor is like, nah. Like, if I'm going to fight out this last fight, like, give me Ryan Bader. And I'm sure Bellator was like, eh, I think we can do something else. And Fedor's like, no, if you want me to fight, like, just give me the title shot against this dude. Let me try to run it back with this guy. And at that point, like, what are you supposed to do? Say no, just give him the freaking fight. He's freaking Fedor. Yeah. So I had no, I had like, I felt weird about it, but still like, this is what the man wanted for his last fight. So just give the man what he freaking wanted for his last fight. And that's what we got. But uh, I'm just, last, saying, go just, ahead. just real quick before we go in. Heritage Fight League, if this happens, what we could have done, just pitching pitching the Fedor retirement idea. Here's my Fedor retirement idea for Heritage Fight League. We just have a whole card of Fedor versus X. Fedor versus Y. Fedor versus Z. We just let this man fight as many times as he wants to and just knocking out as many dudes as he wants to until he feels like pretty satisfied with his work that night. Like, how about that? Like, you just go to an all-you-can-eat buffet. You go to the Country Harvest Buffet of fight cards, my man, Fedor, and you just have yourself a time. Have yourself one last party and, you know, like, let us all kind of feel good about this. How much fun would that be if he, Fedor had knocked out, like, his third guy in the last 30 minutes and then the fourth guy walks out and he's just some big fat guy and we're all just <laughs> watching this on social media? Like, how much fun would the escalation be until it's like, ah, you know, like, I think we've seen enough. Like, we would really enjoy this. I'm just saying. That would be pretty crazy. Unless we get like a Danny Lefevre moment and then it will be the saddest <laughs> thing that's ever happened. It's a deep cut. No one watching this knows Over what that means. It. And I don't Over care. Oh, man. Uh, last goat. thing before we the move on. The real goat. Danny Danny <laughs> <Lefevre is the laughs> last thing before we move on. Um, at the press conference, which by the way, golly, that was a long press conference. Uh, Ryan Bader gets up there and he is asked about... Francis Ngannou, he all he keeps saying, he keeps saying over and over again, I want some new blood. I want some new blood. So he's asked about Francis, completely no sells it. And then BTL alum Josh Gross brings back up Fedor, asks some good follow ups to try to be like, but, but why? This could be like the biggest fight you could have. And he just pretty much no sold the entire thing, saying, look, if he signs a contract, cool. But other than that, like the fight doesn't really tickle me. But in reality, no fights at all tickle me because as soon as I leave this building, <laughs> like I'm just going to shut the MMA world out altogether. Shaheen, how did he handle this? Because I was very happy with how he handled the Fedor stuff, but the Francis stuff, I was kind of stunned. He just completely no-sold it and then just completely no-sold the sport altogether as well. 
I mean, it was basically the most Ryan Bader way you could handle that situation, <laughs> right? Like that is who Ryan Bader is. Uh, he's not here for your excitement. He's not here for your games. He's going to just kind of do what he did, cash his 150K and, and go home happy. Uh, I would say, and I think Jed, Jed, maybe you were the one who said this on our Slack channel of uh, yeah, yeah. Ryan Bader oh, at one me. point did fight Rumble Johnson and that didn't really go well. And Francis Ngannou is just kind of a much larger Rumble Johnson. So I would assume that Ryan Bader's probably not super stoked and excited for the potential Francis Ngannou fight if that happens, but also maybe he is, I don't know, but I'm just saying, I think there's probably a reason as well. He's maybe trying to no sell it and uh, not build it into something. I think that really what has happened is one time in his life, Ryan Bader was interesting at a post-fight press conference that he wasn't involved in, and he just starts chatting shit to Daniel Cormier. It was the one time this man has ever been interesting, and then that fight didn't end up happening, and so he his heart got broken. And you know, it's it's like when you when you you know lose the love of your your first love, you're never the same. And he has never allowed himself to be interesting again after that didn't work out for him, and so. He's just like, I don't really care. Whatever. It doesn't matter. You guys pick somebody. It's fine. Uh, because, yeah, the fortunate thing is it was a Bellator post-fight press conference, so no one is going to see that he is boring because, come on, what are what are we expecting the viewership numbers there to be? So, yeah, it was just Ryan Bader being Ryan Bader. You know, it is what it is. He's a pretty good fighter. He doesn't care. And that's okay. That is okay. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, seems like Johnny Eblen cares, though, because this man put on a performance, beat the hell out of Anatoly Tokov. I felt I thought the first round was real close. I thought Tokov was looking good in the second, and then Eblen dropped him with an elbow, and just the tide of that entire fight just shifted in his favor. And then he just went on and did Johnny Eblen things for the next three rounds, and that fight was not competitive the rest of the way. So great performance. Sean brought up something that I felt was – like Johnny Eblen was the guy on this card that could have just been shot to the moon if he had, and the performance was great. Don't get me wrong. But if he just dump truck took off and put him away in the third round and then cut a great promo afterwards, like this guy would have gone to a different level and he's in a good spot now. No doubt about it. 
but I don't think he got to that star level because Scott Coker said at the press conference, I think Johnny Eblen became a star tonight. Jed, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think his stock. Scotty Cox. God love him. No, I think his stock grew amongst the hardcore fans, but that's kind of it. And that's, that's good, but this could have been so much bigger, right? Yeah. And we talked about this beforehand. That was the thing. Like I gave this card a high score because there was potential. Now a lot of things had to break, right? And the more likely outcome is what we got tonight. I think these were the most predictable sort of top end outcomes here. But there was a potential if something broke right for things to really go well. And that's actually a pretty, that means the card's pretty well designed, right? Like your floor is relatively stable, but you do have a high ceiling, even if the likelihood of getting to that ceiling is low. And it's just sort of what it was for Johnny Eblen. He has never been a huge finisher. Uh, Tokov is incredibly tough. And as that fight was going to wear on, even though he wants to showcase his striking, realistically, it's he's going to go to the thing that he's best at. He's going to wear Tokov down. That's what it is. I have no idea, but I strongly suspect that that did not, that, that people may well have turned the channel given there was a pretty big break after the Hamasi Ward fight into that one. And then that fight, while it had some moments, and it was certainly a good fight if you are a invested MMA fan. If you're just somebody flipping through the channels on CBS, that's probably not one that gets you. Uh, and I'll dock him some points because he's he's trying. He has some personality. And you can see it at moments, but you 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 just got to know where you're at. You're on CBS, my guy. If you come out firing, you know, fuck or whatever, fuck shit or whatever it is, they're just gonna mute you for the first two minutes of what you're talking about because it's CBS, and so then you're not getting over at all so he had a great performance he is going to be a top five middleweight i think in our rankings pretty pretty unanimously and but this this is where it becomes a big problem for him because that was the biggest platform the best opportunity he's going to get to ascend and he couldn't pull it off and that's sort of to be expected but but that's a missed opportunity certainly and now he is going to face the other side of this coin which is Okay, well, he didn't a crossover into mainstream success stardom, and that's probably not going to happen. But he leveled up. He showed that he's an unbelievable fighter. He is still competing in Bellator, and that really puts a roof on how far the broader MMA audience is going to be content to elevate you. Because Tokov, by my estimation, is the best fighter he could have fought. He already beat Musashi. Got Tokov. Fabian Edwards is okay, but he's he may or may not beat Musashi. And then where is Eblin going? The, the middleweight division in Bellator is not robust. Um, you know, Luke Rockhold maybe signs, maybe you can get some mileage there, maybe he moves up to 205. But it's it's just tough. This was a big opportunity for him. And I, I don't think it was for lack of trying. I think Tokov's just a tough dude to look great against and to kind of deliver. And so he's just here. He's a damn good fighter, top five guy in the world. He's probably never going to get the respect that that the deeply embedded MMA fans will have for him. I just watched Adam Fugit just beat the hell out of his opponent. Oh, did he? So, great win. Yeah, just elbowed oh. him into an oblivion. So good win for him. Big uh, an upset. Not a lot of people are giving him a chance. No one. Yeah. Uh, and he gets the job done. So well done, uh, Shaheen. There's one thing I also thought he was missing, and it's it's been kind of a divisive thing, but. I felt like he should have called out Luke Rockhold after this win because Scott Coker said Luke was going to be invited. 
We're having conversations and I get it. Like same thing with Francis. You don't want to get too excited until the man signs on the dotted line. But I feel like, especially with the relationship that Scott Coker and Luke Rockhold have, that fight makes a lot of sense. Now, is Johnny Eblen like a minus 800 favorite in that fight? Probably. But Luke is still a big name. And at this moment, realistically, this is the biggest fight he could possibly get. Because fighting Gegard again is cool, but he probably beats him again. Fighting Fabian Edwards, I don't think does a lot for him, if we're being honest. But fighting Luke Rockhold, it's star-making kind of a fight, right? Like, just beating a name like that, Luke's going to get on the mic during fight week and pump this event up and say some weird things, and people are going to get excited. I felt like he he kind of missed the boat there. What do you think? I mean, that's fair. I think that's fair because obviously that would be the biggest possible opponent out there for him to fight. Um, I don't I don't know that there's a ton of interest in like a Gegard Musasi rematch, which would probably be the second toughest thing he could he could get thrown into. That was a pretty one sided fight. I will say though, I mean, I'm not going to pile on on Johnny Eblen and his performance because I came away from that incredibly impressed by what this man has become incredibly impressed by what this man did and also he was set up to sure this was like a big opportunity where he could have potentially you know really increased his brand and his stock in a way that i think would be pretty profound but the thing is like this isn't professional wrestling and he was in an incredibly difficult situation with the man standing across from him because anatoly tokov has been in bellator for like six years now and he has just not lost like he he is when I when he joined this promotion, I assumed at some point he was going to be the middleweight champion, and it took him a lot longer than than it, I expected to to really get to a position like this. But that is a difficult man to fight in any on any given night. Not nonetheless, like a night like this where there's so much pressure and so much eyeballs on it. Like Johnny Eblen came out there and dominated that man, and really like I think put a real statement out there for for sure. Maybe not casual audience, but for hardcore people who understood what they were watching and understand how good Tokov is. Like Johnny Eblen's a problem, man. That dude, his gas tank is is out of control. Frankly, like I I don't understand how he was still going as hard as he was, like pushing as hard as he was in the later rounds with the pace of that fight. Like that man is a legitimate, legitimate problem. And I think if you were to just put him up against Alex Pereira, like that's a competitive fight, man. Like that's a really interesting fight stylistically and just just generally in a lot of different ways you can look at it. Like if you look at the top five in the UFC right now, right, the, the middleweight top five, you got Pereira, Adesanya, Whitaker, Cannonier, Vittori, and then Brunson. I don't know if you want to count the champion in that top five. I mean, I think Johnny Emblin fits pretty well with everybody in there outside of maybe an Adesanya and a Whitaker, right? Like that is a... That man is really, really damn good. And I think we are still only scratching the surface of how good he's going to truly be, like whatever his final form is. Because he is someone who, again, every time we see him, he's much more impressive than he was the last time. And I don't know, man. Maybe this wasn't the performance that, that, you know, new fans are going to be following Johnny Eblen. But this was definitely a performance where MMA fans, hardcore MMA fans, who realistically made, made a pretty big chunk of this audience, you got to come away impressed by that, man. Like, that dude is legitimate as hell. Yeah, he will be my number four middleweight in the February rankings. He will be my number four guy. He will jump. I think I've met six now. He will jump two guys, and he will be number four behind Whitaker, Pereira, and Adesanya. And the Pereira fight's interesting, Jed, because I would favor Johnny Eblen to probably win that fight right now. But there are holes... And Johnny knows there's holes because we ha- like he's what 13 and 0 now, but still he hasn't been doing this for very long. He's just been very active and just working everybody he fights. But there are defensive striking discrepancies that a- got fighting a dangerous striker like Alex Pereira 
could expose pretty violently. Like when he throws those big shots, he leaves his head right down for a big knee or a big kick or a he big nasty uppercut. So much. He does that a lot, but he's gotten away so with it much. against a lot of these guys. Uh, but he'll clean that up. That's the scary thing about this man, because if they fought a year, 18 months from now, that's a whole different fight in my opinion, because Johnny's will probably fix that. But yeah, I mean, for the hardcore fans, what Johnny did tonight just proved that not only is he the best middleweight in Bellator, but he can hang in some way, form, or fashion with all of these top dudes. I mean, just uh, just to even jump in, sorry. But, like, Tokov signed with Bellator in 2017. Johnny Amblin hadn't even debuted in MMA <laughs> so at the moment Tokov signed with Bellator. Like, when you he's say so he's good. new to this, like, that is an oh, that is an understatement. Yeah. Like, you're being generous. This man is incredibly new to it. So, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jim. Yeah, he's he's a problem, man. Like, w- what we've seen so far, I mean, this dude is a natural. Supernatural. A really good. I'm picking to beat be Pajero tomorrow. Uh, and he, look, he, he is not going to be totally outclassed by anybody, uh, at this point, And he is going to continue to develop. He is so young in this. I think that he is pretty, would definitively lose to Izzy and Whitaker at this moment in time. And that's, that's also the list of every MMA fighter. That's not named Alex Mejeta basically. <laughs> so it's okay. Um, but I, I think both of those guys have way too much polish on their game right now for him. You know, 18 months, two years, maybe that changes. Uh, but he look, he he's a top five guy in, in the world of this weight class for sure. Um, based on what we have seen and you know, to some extent, the stuff we've heard about him for years. ATT is a damn fine gym, and everyone there speaks glowingly about him. Uh, and he has performed in the cage up to that level. So yeah. I you can take nothing away from his actual in cage performance. There were no, nothing bad happened there, you know, outside the same things you see developmentally from everybody. So great performance. He is, I don't know if you can build around him just cause he is a little older and I don't know how long you can, you know, he is not AJ McKee or whatever in that regard, but this guy's probably going to hold that belt for, for several years at this point in time. Yeah. He's going to have a hard time finding somebody who's gonna gonna match him up good so yeah getting him in there with a luke rockhold that's just gonna boost his stock a little bit he'll probably finish luke and that'll be a huge win on on the old resume so uh one guy's stock i think probably rose the most shaheen is brennan ward because his story is incredible comes back fights sabaha masi that fight is everything we thought it was going to be it was just a bloody violent massacre between those two dudes and then brennan just lands a big shot he kicks him in the face drops him and then just beats the tar out of him until the fight is stopped and gets on the mic and cuts a fun promo and freaking john claude van damme leaves his seat and comes in with the shades on and they have this awkward handshake should i hug him should i fist pound a moment but still he got the photo with jcvd super cool moment he was great at the post-fight press conference they got something with this guy do they not I mean, they have the same thing they've always had with him. Like, I I, I kind of wish the JCVD thing would have just been a running theme throughout the rest of the night. Like, I wanted every winner <laughs> to just call him Jean-Claude so we could just have this repeated moment. Maybe maybe he would understand whether we're going for hug or handshake by the end of it. But I mean, Nah, on. bro, you got to get Jeremy Piven in the cage at some point. Just, oh, what call. if Fedor was a big Entourage fan and instead of hugging like Chuck Liddell, he was just like, hey, I see Ari Gold is in the front row. Can we get him in here? Be lovely. 
I'm I'm kind of interested into like let's just for the, from now on whoever we see cage side like celebrity wise can we just have the fighters invite them up like pick out who they want to come up in the cage for their post fight interviews of like hey you know hey there's Shaq can you come in here Shaq let's go have a moment with Shaq uh that'll be fun but no I, I want mean, to do that if it's flyweights because seeing flyweights stand next to Shaq would be incredibly amusing it would be a good time um brennan ward is brennan ward right like that may seem like very stupid analysis but this is what this man has been doing his whole entire career like but he's he's been in bellator this long for a reason and it's been really fun to see this like brennan ward renaissance that we've sort of seen over the last year or so uh you don't realize how much you kind of miss the all action guys like a brennan ward when, when he's gone until he comes back uh but yeah i mean this was i said it at the top but this was perfect matchmaking like every all of us as soon as we saw this fight as the opener for a big moment like this for CBS, it's just like that's that's chef kiss. You cannot do that better. You, that is perfect for the moment, and these guys delivered. Like that was a tremendously fun fight. And the more Bellator wants to put Brennan Ward in our face, like obviously I'm going to enjoy it. I love how he went from a title shot to moving up a weight class and fighting <laughs> Dalton Rasta, like classic New England welder union guy call out. I loved it. I loved it. it, it it was it was very much the best, but great performance from Brennan Ward. I think they got something with this guy, and let's just keep chucking him in there. Main card openers, fun fights, and just let him go in there and and do the thing that that he does best. But uh, last thing, and then we'll take a couple of questions. Lorenz Larkin, Jed Mishu, violent knockout, gets the job done. And Shaheen posted a question in our ranking Slack channel. Have we been? Have we been just not getting this guy enough credit? Have we been just underrating Lorenz Larkin? Because the guy hasn't lost in a really long time. My response was, I really haven't. But the problem is, he just hasn't stuck around a weight class long enough for me to actually rank him. Because he was at 170, could have been the number one contender. was like, nah, I'd rather fight in Japan. Misses weight. And then he has a couple of fights at 185. We think he's going to stay there. And he's like, nah, I think I'll go back to 170. And then he fights to a draw or has the no contest, and then he just obliterated this guy tonight. What a performance. Have we been underrating Lorenz Larkin? Was this a y'all-must-have-forgot type of performance from this guy? We haven't been underrating him, but it, it maybe was a y'all-must-have-forgot. I think at one point I had Lorenz Larkin ranked because, um, you know, I think pretty highly of Andre Koreshkov, or I did a couple of years ago. But, yeah, he did the – he fought Rafael Carvalho at middleweight and then just sort of – and then when he comes back, he's not fighting like – huge marquee names but even when he left the ufc he was on a good run this dude is undeniably like a top 20 at the at top 25 at the worst welterweight it, it's just been sort of a weird career path for him the last few years and so yeah i do think this is a y'all must have forgot because like i kind of did i i forgot that he was capable of doing something like that that aggressively violent uh it was awesome so Good for him. He may end up getting ranked off that and kind of what's been going on and welterweight has some opportunities there. Let's let's phrase it like that. But yeah, uh I'm I would like to see Lorenz Larkin fight some of the better names that Bellator has to offer uh, at this point. That would be a great, great idea for all involved. Is it time for Lorenz Larkin MVP? Because I thought I, I feel like yes, this fight is, we've been talking about this fight for like six years now. Can't do it. We can't have uh, MVP fight people who are good. It's <laughs> I'm fundamentally opposed to him fighting anybody who can actually fight back. Uh, the last time that happened, Logan Storley held him for 25 minutes. It was awful. We can't do. Lorenz that is not going to do that. Lorenz Larkin is not going to do that. That's the fight. I know. Right? Lorenz, like, no, Lorenz Larkin will knock him out. That's we're supposed to have fun with MVP. We come on. 
we can't be doing this. Also, maybe MVP <laughs> just tackles him. You remember when MVP turned into a freaking wrestler for, against Paul Daly? That was sick. No, MVP gets to only fight people who are bad. That is the only booking I accept for MVP. We can do, you know what would be sick? Let's, Lorenz Lark and Brandon Ward, let's get that going. Sign, hey. sign me up. Let's now you're speaking my language. Up. I gotta say, like the the arc of Lorenz Larkin has to be one of the most bizarre arcs of like a post UFC Super free weird. agent that I can remember, right? Because if you if you remember back to his UFC run, like that dude became a monster pretty quickly at, at once he dropped down to, to welterweight. He went four and one, and he was one scorecard away from winning that split decision to go five and zero. Oh. Like he was looking like a wrecking ball. I think his last fight was like Neil Magny, and he was the underdog. Yeah, it was yes. Neil Magny. He was the, the underdog. Breaks off and he Neil destroyed Magny. Neil Magny. Like, you look at his UFC, the last UFC run he had, those victories have aged incredibly well, right? Like, Neil Magny, Santiago Ponzinibbio, and, and Jorge Masvidal. All those dudes are still very relevant at 170. The Reds like, people, it's tough to beat Tumanov. And that was the 1-1 one, one where he's one scorecard away with the split, right? Like, it's... People like when he left the UFC, he was a I think top nine, top eight welterweight there, and he lost those first two fights at Bellator against the actual good names at Bellator, Paul Daly, and I think was it Koreshkov at the time. I'm pretty yeah. sure it was correct. No, it was uh, no Lima. It was, Lima. Lima. it was Lima. Yeah, yeah it was Lima. Douglas Lima. He, and he then he Koreshkov. just and then he just kind of like fell into this weird void for the last like six years, five years, where he has just been fighting rando dudes for the most part right like he's not fighting the the actual names that bellator has at either of these divisions the 170 or 185 like he's just kind of floating around and getting these you know maybe he would get a Koreshkov, but it would be past the point when Koreshkov was sort of that guy like whereas argon has had a very strange run in bellator and i think it was very easy to forget about him because he fights somewhat infrequently and again it's always kind of just buried on these cards where he's not a focal point like he's not a center centerpiece to any of this which is kind of weird because he's so fun like he's such an active entertaining stand-up knockout guy like the knockout tonight man was like we're gonna be talking about that at the end of the year maybe like in terms of the knockout of the year ballots like that's gonna get some honorable mentions at least like that was pure violence like it's puzzling to me that it's taken this long for lorenz larkin to give us some sort of oh yeah like Lorenz Lark is, is awesome type of moment. And maybe, again, that's just sort of the way that Belter has navigated this guy's career is a little strange. But hopefully this is a, a wake-up call that, like, I want to see Lorenz Larkin in, in some big spots in Belter. I want to see him against an MVP. I want to see him against the, the dudes who actually matter in these divisions. Because he very well, to me, is probably still like a top 15 welterweight right now. Like, he's done nothing to lose that title other than the fact that he's just kind of, like, been aimlessly wandering around, you know, in this whole Bellator scene for, for a while. So. Whereas Larkin to me was one of the MVP of the nights. Like that was, that was tremendous. Yeah. Good finish for him. Good finish for Chris Gonzalez too. That was a nasty knockout against Max Roshkoff. Uh, good fight there. That, that fight was a lot of fun. And then you landed in the big shot and, and put him away. So I'll uh, we'll take a few questions and then we'll get on out of here. Duho Choi's about to fight. So we don't want to miss that. Holy uh, shit. Dead serious. Uh, they gave that fight to Nikita Mikhailov. Yes. I can't believe I legitimately walked away as like, oh, Darren called a one. Cool. Yeah. Wow. I am just now looking at this. Yeah. The judging was a little sus on on the first couple of fights. A lot of people thought Alejandra Lara won uh, against Diana Asuragova, but I don't know. That one I didn't feel as bad about, but I felt Caldwell won. 
so Joseph Bozov asks, uh, was that the right card to debut on CBS? Fans of fellow fighters are upset. They didn't get the Cinderella ending we all wanted. Shaheen, was this the right card to debut on CBS? Did they lay it out the right way? Was this putting the best foot forward with what they had? I mean, you know my thoughts on, on like, you throw Fedor in a fight where he could have won and then we could have really had a celebration. But also, it's like, it's Fedor. If he's only asking for a title fight and he's not trying to fight Cairns, you your hands are kind of tied there. Also, they tried to make the, the Coleman event much more fun with the, with the Yoel Romero-Nemkov fight that would have been for whatever it would have been, it would have been interesting. Like, right. Like that would have, Yoel Romero is just a bizarre man who, who creates very bizarre scenes. And that would have been very cool to watch. So they tried, like, ultimately this is sort of the best that they had to work with considering uh, the guys that were available. Like, I, th- I think for the most part, this was the right move. Uh, and I, they, they did do a very, we, we get on Bellator a lot about promotion and why are you not promoting these cards really? But I feel like they made a concerted effort to tell the Fedor story in a way that, uh, at least should have translated to some level of the audience of just getting imparting upon people how important this guy was and what a big moment this was. So I think this was the right card for the most part. Jen? Yeah, uh, it's the same criticism that I had going into it. Uh, this is the best that they could do with what they had, um, which I think is fine. I, I think it also speaks to maybe, if you know you're doing the CBS thing, maybe maybe have a bit more foresight because this really would have been a good opportunity to start the lightweight Grand Prix um, to get AJ McKee fighting on CBS, the start of this, or, or, or hell, I know that, you know, maybe this bungles up your other plans, but like do the Danny Sabatello, uh, Halfie and Stotts fight here, like that really making the most of this belt or this CBS spot with kind of the future stars and the big personalities that you have. But you know, taking that criticism aside, they did the best what they can. It's it's still a, a success and a passing grade by any measure. You put uh, Danny Sanotello yeah. on CBS and they are hearing zero words of anything that that man says. It, like that is getting bleeped out immediately That's the moment that man talks. You don't need to hear that man talk. You just, just look at the hair. That's all you need. <laughs> Uh, for those wondering what happened in the post limbs, uh, four decisions. Neiman Gracie won. Jalen Bates, big win over Jordan Lugo, splitty. I have to go back and watch that one. Uh, Isaiah Hokit got a unanimous decision win. And Yusuf Karakaya uh, got a unanimous decision win as well. So those were the post limbs. Uh, this question came up a bunch. We touched on this a little bit, but I guess we'll, we'll focus a little bit more on it. Jed, I'll start with you. Uh, what was your thoughts during the Fedor retirement moment with all the legends? I know it didn't feel as yucky as we thought it might feel, considering how we all thought this fight was going to play out. But in the end, pretty cool moment, would you say? Again, it was fine. Um, it de- I thought that there was a high potential for this to be awful, um, which is why I like the idea, but I was very, very concerned about the execution. Just because like, if Fedor does get slabbed and say he's down and out for a few minutes that just is a whole different thing and it's all pretty bad. He didn't and the way it worked out it it landed okay. It still felt a little weird just because like most of the people up there he has nothing connected with other than some ephemeral sense of unity based on time period but like he never fought Chuck Liddell. Uh I don't know if I maybe he had been around Hoist Gracie before but I can't recall why. You know like Josh Barnett and Dan Henderson made sense and Randy Couture made sense because that's the one that got away, but there were like Matt Hughes. 
no, has nothing to do with Fedor and his story. So it's still, it. I would rather them do that than do nothing because that is at least a cool idea of honoring a legend doing something like that. Uh, and it, it didn't go bad, so I'm totally okay with it. There are some just absolute grumps in the comment section. Oh my God, get some sleep. Turn your TVs off. Oh, Go to bed. I want to shout out the comment section though, because there are a couple of people in here doing God's work. I agree. That, by, I agree. Oh, so by that, I mean both sides because there has been an ongoing conversation about Fedor being the goat. And by conversation, I mean, it is literally one side saying he is not. And the other being like, you're stupid. <laughs> and that has been going on since the post-fight press conference. The same people just doing, there is no no depth, no nuance to the conversation. It is just like, he is, you're an idiot. <laughs> and it rules. The commitment these people are showing, I respect you guys, both sides. I, I listen. I'm 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 with WTF for the most part. Uh, he's oh just no, he's an, he's an absolute imbecile. But I respect. <laughs> no, I but respect he's the one. He's, he's the one waving the flag more than anybody, though. But I respect his commitment to do. Yeah, exactly. You can't just keep fighting some dude who is just gonna be like, no, no, he's a <laughs> bum. Like, you just gotta give up, man. At some point, value your own time. But God, I respect the effort out there from everybody. Uh, Shaheen, what did you think about the the, the, the Fedor send off? Uh, I'd rather hear more about this, frankly. Uh, no, nah, I mean, it was good. It was the same thing that we've already said a couple different times, right? Like, I, I think beforehand would have been nice. Uh, there was a good chance this could have gone a lot worse. It didn't. I'm happy that it didn't. Some of the lineup was weird. Uh, but it is I, I'm I'm here for trying to make things interesting and different. And that was interesting and different in a way that, you know, felt nice in the moment. Like it feels nice to see sort of the end of an era, all this generation there. So I, I thought it worked out. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Again, I, I would have loved the aerial idea. Just take them all at the beginning, give Fedor like the beginning wave before you, you go to the opening promo, whatever you're going to do to start the card. But yeah, man, Again, they should have cool. carried him to the ring on a litter. <laughs> all of them although honestly when i saw some i was like i see where we're not doing that they looking old out there some of them fellas looking looking old now you guys have emboldened these people even more in the comments section and this is just this is dude it's the best theater this is really great i have been watching the comments for the whole post-fight press conference this has been the exact same conversation yeah it's just back and forth he didn't fight anybody good you don't know shit you didn't watch Backroom's Pride. Pride fighters sucked and were on steroids. That's dumb and not true. He beat UFC champions. It's been the best. <laughs> <laughs> it is the same three talking points, just in a circle, just in an absolute circle, and neither side is giving an inch. It's. I mean, this is the BTL matchup. We just put comments on the screen. <laughs> these two people battling it out. It could be the final round. Do a little tag team title match. So Alan Tam just... Just staying on his corner, man. <laughs> Fedor sucks. He fought bums. That's so hilarious. <laughs> you could be the, you could be the goat for or the heavyweight number one for seven years and somehow bums. fighting bums beat every like relevant person in that era more or less. Get out of here with this. Like I, I never thought that this conversation would be divisive at all. Like even if you don't feel like he's the goat, how can you not like he needs to be 
in every single conversation here, like even if you feel like he's not the most, because I think even you said on Damn Jed, like he's probably not the most talented heavyweight of all no, time. He's definitely no, he's not. definitely but not. He's not the best heavyweight of all. But time. his resume is incredible. The best and it resume. Was so it lasted forever. Nobody does seven this. seven and a half years. Nope, seven yeah. and a half years. The yeah, conversation can... starts with him, and then you have to disprove why it's why it's not him. Like that's more or less it. Like the conversation starts with Fedor, and maybe you think it's Stipe. Then you have to prove why it's Stipe at that point. Like that's yeah. where we're at with this. If you want to say Kane was like the most athletically gifted and talented, that's cool. But they did none of these guys did this for seven and a half years, almost a decade, almost a decade. Holy, my, like my kid is nine. Fedor Literally. was like on top for like as long as he's lived for the Literally most part. Not no now, but you know, in the history of the sport has done it at the top as long as Fedor did. Anderson Silva's run was not as long as Fedor's. It's just at heavyweights. At heavyweights. Yeah. Like it's not it's not a conversation. No, it isn't. I th- I think we've done enough here. Um I'm I'm here for us to just keep the comment section alive. I want to see how long they can continue this, frankly, because I agree it, it shouldn't be divisive, but things are going to be divisive. I can't believe the the staying power. <laughs> Of this just two hours plus of just going after it. I know different channels, different streams. Amazing. I, I appreciate your passion. I mean, love the passion. <laughs> a little grumpy, but still, you're you're standing. You're putting your feet in the sand. You're still you're standing your ground. Can I ask one question before all. we leave? Because I I, I did too. think about this. It is actually sort of back on topic. I was thinking about this during the post fight press conference because somebody brought it back up to Scotty Cokes. Do would Anderson Silva have been a good last fight for Fedor? I can't decide how I feel about that. I wouldn't have hated it. I definitely wouldn't have hated it. I just don't know if it's good or not. It would have been for I think it would have been better for business for sure. Well, I mean, true. I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah, it absolutely, absolutely would have been. Would have been. Anderson Silva is a star. Either way, it ended. I think there's a chance that. I mean, there could I may, maybe it could have ended in extreme sadness if one of those dudes really gets sparked out. That would have still been pretty sad. I don't know. I just I wouldn't have hated it. It's better than this, I would think. Like I would have rather seen that than this. That's well, that's true because I literally already saw this, so I didn't need to see it again. But <laughs> I was just thinking about it a lot. I was like, I don't know if they could have done that. Ooh, it might have been good. Fedor versus Machida, baby. Oh, look, Vanderlei was always the answer I wanted in my heart. Yeah. Just, if we're if pride's gonna die, let's send it out right there. Light the funeral pyre. Shogun, bring Shogun in. Or that. That would have been a better idea than Shogun Ihor Pretoria. That's for sure. The duelist, Mike. The duelist. You fired in the air. It wasn't. You fired in the air because you didn't shoot him. It's respect, Mike. You don't get that. <laughs> I honestly, I'm coming around on the e, on the Ihor thing because that's gonna be my favorite thing for some time. Just how. <laughs> impossibly stupid that man was he would fit right into this comment section because he would just he would defend the dancing and he would just stand his ground and no one would budge him he would fit right in here so ehar in the air man fired in the air you can duel duel in the comment section baby but guys we uh, we can't do fedor crocop too. google crocop he should never fight again yeah it's pretty bad i saw that a lot in the comments it's like crocop is good for him to be where he is, but that man is never fighting again for very good reasons. Touche. 
Okay, right. I think we we're done. Uh, yeah, we yeah we're done. done. We'll say Duho, Duho Choi and Choi's Kyle fighting. I want to watch that. Yeah, they're clinching against the cage right now. So. I don't want to watch that. So thank you very much. Uh, enjoy the rest of the UFC card. AK and I will be back tomorrow to do our, some matchmaking for this card uh, on, on to the next one. And then, ladies and gentlemen, we're turning the page, and it's on to UFC 284. It's on to Islam oh, Makachev versus up? Alexander Volkanovsky. Yes. Hmm, haven't heard much about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> i guess it's not fight week so we don't start talking about things that eh? uh well thank you very much everybody <laughs> i am mike Heck. we will be talking about ufc 284 even if the ufc doesn't next week we'll see you later thank you for watching have a good oh night everybody comment section keep Love it up <laughs>